Creative Risk with Jayanta Jenkins is about to begin. But first, a word about an organization taking important risks. Black Lives Matter Foundation Incorporated is a global organization in the U.S., U.K., and Canada whose mission is to eradicate white supremacy and build local power to intervene in violence inflicted on black communities by the state and vigilantes. By combating and countering acts of violence, creating space for black imagination and innovation, and centering black joy, Black Lives Matter is winning immediate improvements in black lives. Support their urgent need for funds at blacklivesmatter.com. Just click the big blue donate button. Welcome back to Creative Risk, the podcast about the brave souls in the creative industries who haven't been afraid to put it all on the line. In each episode, we feature a different guest who has faced the uncertainties of creative life with gusto and determination and come out on top. I'm your host, Gabriel Shalom, creative director and head of content at Pictor, the creative review platform designed for content and marketing teams. In a time of global uncertainty, we hope our show helps fortify you for the challenges ahead with true stories of success against the odds and a behind the scenes look at what it takes to win. This letter starts with the highest level of optimism that powerful voices are gearing up right now take a stand. I don't know if there's ever been an opportunity as great as this to make change. My Friday morning began with a text message. I reached out to three of my friends, Jeff Edwards, Gianta Jenkins, and Jimmy Smith, and the text read, we need to come together and say something. In late April, I interviewed Gianta Jenkins, one of the people mentioned in the beginning of an open letter you just heard read by Keith Cartwright, Gianta's friend and business partner. That letter, the rest of which we'll hear later in this episode, is a framing document for an agency called Saturday Morning, created to do the important work of advocating for racial justice using the power of advertising. Gianta is a co-founder of Saturday Morning, currently celebrating its four-year anniversary this month with a mission for racial justice that is more relevant than ever. He was recently named one of Adweek's 26 agency leaders you should be watching, is an award-winning global executive creative director whose career has spanned the worlds of advertising and tech. He has helped define brands like Nike, Gatorade, and Apple Beats by Dre, moving past his comfort zone again and again to challenge himself and raise the bar on his creative work. We'll hear his perspective on learning the ropes at major agencies like Wyden and Kennedy and stepping into leadership at TBWA Shyat Day. We'll also get an insider point of view on the business mindset required when he was the Global Executive Creative Director at Twitter. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to be able to speak to you for Creative Risk. And first, thank you so much for bringing me on to have this discussion. I just wanted to start by saying I've had a chance just to get myself more familiar with some of your greatest hits on your website, and I really just love your work. I find there's an incredible consistency across the different media that you've worked in, across the different sorts of projects that you've guided. And so I wanted to start by just kind of rolling it back to the beginning a little bit and ask you, what was it like getting started at the Martin Agency and Widened and Kennedy when you first got into advertising? It was phenomenal. I strive for consistency and growth. And my intention coming out of university when I discovered I wanted to be in advertising, there were a handful of places that I had identified 
Wyden being one, Martin being one. If you know advertising, you can kind of tell a Wyden and Kennedy ad from a distance. But their tone, in, in a weird way, is it's been there all along, and it's certainly different for their different clients. But something definitely shifted during the time you were there. Can you speak to that at all? Wyden had lost a bit of Nike to Goodby. And that was a real shock to the system because they had such a strong relationship. The overtones of that were they'd gotten comfortable. It was almost like a renaissance, to be honest with you, because freestyle, the Nike basketball work came out that year, which was amazing. There was also the play campaign. You were not just making ads. You know, I was making things like 12-inch records that accompanied shoe launches for LeBron and working with the animators that did Akira in Japan. I mean, it was phenomenal. That was a, a certain golden age of that brand and that agency. So here's the question. How could you possibly have decided to leave? Well, you know what? Here's the thing. You get to a point at a place where there's infinite amounts of growth, right? and challenge. And ultimately, if your name isn't on the door at a place (laughs) and you end up staying too long, I I think that can impede your growth. If I'm very, very honest, I think there are moments where I got in my own way as well. Just believe in my own hype, which also creates a little bit of a disconnect when you're partnering and, and trying to contribute in a holistic way. So the real challenge becomes Was it the place, the account, and the people, or was it you and all of that? You've worked with so many luminaries from Serena Williams to LeBron to Spike Lee. If you listen to the music that's in a lot of the work that you've done, it's some of the greatest music of popular culture. In addition to his creative work in advertising, Gianta is also a DJ. Given his love of music, I asked him if there was a track he wanted to highlight in this episode. And without a moment's hesitation, he looped in his friend, Grammy-nominated artist Kenna, and his track Relations featuring Childish Gambino. Listen to the whole song on Spotify or watch the music video on YouTube. And be sure to check out Gianta's DJ mixes on mixcloud.com slash fresh is the word. Now back to the interview. I feel like there is a cultural point of view that I find so compelling in all of the work. I'm kind of blown away by how it's just something you've been able to maintain regardless of the team you've been on. TBWHI Day is part of the Omnicom group. It's a big conglomerate. So this sort of independent spirit that you'd been able to tap into at Wyden, was that something that you were nervous about losing when you moved? Shiat didn't start off as part of a holding company. They had some very outspoken and beautiful leadership in Jay Shiat with Lee Clow. And so the spirit of that place remained and remains. It's this what they call this pirate spirit or this pirate mentality. Wyden would be what I consider a writer's shop, you know, because of Dan in the most beautiful way. And Lee is an art director. So, you know, working under Lee on Gatorade gave me an opportunity to really lean into the things I loved about craft and, and design and art direction. Having the opportunity to really learn about 
building a business objectively. We were on Gatorade. It was a rebranding effort, you know, so it was a new logo. It was new strategy and it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. You had quite a 14 year stint at those two agencies altogether. And then something different came down the pike for you. Do you remember the day that you accepted the offer to work at Apple? You know, part of our industry is relationships. The work that is represented in the portfolio that you looked at, obviously my name is on it, but it's it's the culmination of listening, good relationships, and building trust on many different levels. It's understanding people's business. It's contributing in a way that is selfless at times and tireless or tiresome. Um, but <laughs> when I got to work at Beats, I was surrounded by a lot of the people I worked with from Nike and from Wyden Kennedy. Omar Johnson, who was the CMO at the time, and Jason White, who was the VP of Global Brand. It was a really interesting time. A shift, for sure, from being an agency creative to really working internally. You know, it was a wonderful place, another brand that's really about culture. And I love popular culture, sports culture. It completely was resonant with where I was at that time. And it had some really great experiences there, for sure. Was the leap that you made then from Apple to working with Twitter, how did that, because that, that feels like a bigger mindset shift for the way that you've framed up Apple now. It seems like Twitter must have been a different ball of wax. Twitter of 2016 was a very different platform. Sentiment was in a slightly different place because there was a lot of harassing and bullying going on. Lots of celebrities were leaving. The stock performance definitely dipped from its IPO. And there were a few misses in terms of the marketing approach. There wasn't the support system of like people I knew necessarily. There was a whole new environment that was very daunting in a good way. And I remember when I did take the job and there was a bit of a press release and it was on agency spy. I saw some things that were just like, wow, not going to make it. Twitter's not this, not that. And, you know, good luck, blah, blah, blah. They were much more toxic than that. I walked into that situation thinking to myself, if this fails, the prior 15 years of work actually is meaningless, you know, because it would have basically, in my mind, meant that I was just in the right place at the right time with the right people and the right brands. And what I became a part of at Twitter changed my entire career. It changed me personally and has forever transformed how I think about showing up as a, not a creative person, but as a person that uses creativity in the service of business objectives. I'm forever grateful to Jack Dorsey and to Leslie Berland for giving me the space to grow in the way that I did. And I did probably, up to this point, the best work of my entire career there. I feel like looking at, in particular, the Here We Are campaign, the What's Happening campaign, those really are current, relevant discourses in a way that really only a social media brand can achieve. And they're done in such an elegant way. But I have to tell you, the one that strikes me so much is, is Let's Go Twitter. I don't know what to do. 
I don't understand this. It's the casting. Yeah. Also, when you talk about the toxicity that Twitter was facing at that era, it really just captures so many different things about how people interact with the technology and also like the people that are in the know. Kevin, I'm here to help. Don't worry, it's just Twitter. But how do I even get started? Just press the button and pick a name. Come on, Kevin, let's go Twitter. My name's not Kevin, it's Kenny. Kenny G. Hold on, your name is Kenny G. Oh, the name's already taken. Yeah, I'm less surprised than you are. I should just quit. How about Notorious Kenny G? And portrays the Twitter user as a white man, and they portrays Twitter in the persona of a man of color, calmly explaining him what to do. Look, I mean, there's so many people to follow. I mean, there's a lady over here that likes geodes. Who doesn't love geodes? Many, many people. It's such a role reversal in so many ways. It's reflecting on tropes from so many Hollywood scenes we've seen of the press and media and cops pulling up to somebody's house. There's like so many layers. You can do it. Just follow all. People will see something like that and such a clear creative vision that's obviously been executed at a very high level. I think an outsider might think, oh, well, that executive creative must have just pointed at the brief a million times and kept everybody, you know, in lockstep to make sure that it all went off in this very dictatorial way because it's just so clear and has such a vision. Is that what happens behind the scenes? How does something like that come together? Listening and collaboration are the key to building trust and getting things done in a very clear way. There can be approaches where you have to sort of be very, you said dictatorial, but I don't want to use that word. You have to be very intentioned. Anything other than that doesn't help bring people along. When you get to an executive leadership role, it is about a vision that you're helping curate and push forward, but it's also helping giving others the ability to have the tools to do it for themselves and in a way that isn't exactly what you would do, but their way of doing things. There's a lot of clarity, there's a lot of listening, and there's also understanding the business problem to the highest degree so it becomes undeniable in terms of what you're delivering. And in that state, there's not a bunch of pushing you need to do to help people get on board because people really get excited. What do you think you need as a creative leader in that kind of position in order to have that sort of clarity of intention? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at an ad, but what I was really able to be engaged in was in service of what needed to happen from a B2B perspective, what needed to happen from a consumer perspective, what was happening in the product, what was happening in so many sort of multiple dimensions that you're pulling together. So every organization, you know, particularly at a Twitter, could see themselves in the work and also understand that we're creating an awareness that helps people understand the why of Twitter. What was really fun about that work that I really am proud of Jack Dorsey for supporting is we were sort of laughing at ourselves in that ad a bit. And again, you take all of this and you filter it into your teams. You give people the ability to be inspired by what they're seeing and you set your intentions to the right place and help people get there without being overly commanding. When we come back from the break, we'll hear the full open letter from Saturday morning as read by co-founder Keith Cartwright and hear Giantas take on what it's like building a team with people that inspire you and how to embrace uncertainty. But first, a word from our partner. 
8 minutes and 46 seconds. It took 8 minutes and 46 seconds to wake the world up to the pandemic that has been plaguing the fabric of our society. Where do we go from here? Some brands think posting a black tile or donating is enough. But what is actually enough? How can we be allies to a community that has been suffering generations? How do we truly make black lives matter? How do we look inward to start the revolution in each of us? There are no easy answers, but founders of the Palette Group, The Avail List, Colin, and Aerialist Creative have created a bold initiative to help hold the industry accountable. The Allyship and Action Pledge. A commitment to transparency with a common core code to use in every business transaction. Head over to allyshipandaction.com to learn more about how your brand, startup, agency, or production company can get involved. There's a company called Saturday Morning. On the website, there is a letter that you can read. The letter talks about a particular text message. This letter starts with the highest level of optimism that powerful voices are gearing up right now to take a stand. I don't know if there's ever been an opportunity as great as this to make change. My Friday morning began with a text message. I reached out to three of my friends, Jeff Edwards, Gianta Jenkins, and Jimmy Smith. And the text read, we need to come together and say something. We've all known each other for some time and not once have we sat down together to have a conversation. Friday's text message led to a meeting Saturday morning in Los Angeles one of the best meetings of my career. We talked about our families, our careers, and how shocking it was that we'd never done this before, but how important it was that we were doing it now. Jeff, Jimmy, Gianta, and I talked about our experiences growing up as black males and the racism we'd encountered in our lives. None of us grew up in the same city or town, but we all shared similar stories, and we had to approach our lives and careers with dual consciousness. To this day, we all still share the unique fear that comes with flashing lights in a rearview mirror and the bias placed against us for the color of our skin. The brutal death of Philando Castile, Alton Sterling, and the five police officers murdered in Dallas, Texas, brought us together this Saturday morning to talk about how we can help change the perception that black lives are not as important as others. The dehumanizing effects of this belief are causing African-Americans across the country to be brutalized, incarcerated, and even killed at an alarming rate. How do we as an industry change that? And how do we enlist others around our industry to join the discussion? It has been said that Sunday morning is the most segregated day in America, so let's get in front of that together. If Sunday morning is seen as a day of division, then Saturday morning should represent both a day of change and a way to dispel the myth that there is no hope for tomorrow. Saturday morning will be an organization that helps build awareness, promote change, and shift the overall perception that black lives are in some way not as important as others. I was wondering if you'd give me some context around that. Yeah. Yeah, thank you um, for bringing that up. Saturday morning, man, the collection of people that came together after Keith Cartwright sent that text message, which was in July of 2016, right around the time where young black men were being killed by officers and some really 
unique circumstances. There's been police violence and, and shootings and, and kids dying throughout my lifetime. But this particular summer, it just felt like every other day you were hearing about someone dying and then, you know, officers being acquitted. And Keith did send that text message out. Do you remember where you were when you received it? Yeah, I was in Santa Monica and I, I got the message from Keith. And what was really unique is you have a collective of four African-American advertising professionals working in various agencies and different brands, all achieving a certain level of acclaim and, and accomplishment. And Keith's point was, we've worked in all these brands, Adidas, Nike, Gatorade, and we've been able to use creativity to draw awareness and to start a conversation in service of selling things. Can we use the same tools to really start a conversation around peace and the idea that African-American young men's lives are just as important as everyone else's. We got together at the Rose Cafe in Venice and we spent three hours together where we never had before as a group. Talked about our experiences growing up, Keith in Texas, Jimmy in Michigan, Jeff in Michigan, myself in Virginia, and how that journeyed us towards the things that we were doing in that moment in time. When we were done with that meeting, we were like, well, let's do a, a letter to the industry, a call for a peace brief. And Saturday morning was born in that moment. How did you feel coming out of that meeting? It was a really amazing meeting. People that I really respected who looked like me in, in our business. As we have this conversation, the, there's not a lot of equality in terms of females and, you know, African Americans, just minorities in general marketplaces, brands and, and agencies and otherwise. So that was a really wonderful feeling, just being able to share some experiences and be in the same room with those gentlemen and then to ultimately begin to work together on Saturday morning, which it will be four years in July. And wow, I mean, we have really, in our spare time, been able to work with some amazing brands, create some really thought-provoking platforms, and build a rapport that has been unlike any I've had in this industry. Having started this business with Keith and Jeff and now Kwame Hartford-Taylor and Deja Cox, man, I, I can't even, it's hard for me even to put into words how beautiful it is working with those folks once a week. It has everything to do with chemistry and not to do with ethnicity. We complement each other in ways that is just, it is amazing. And I've learned a bit about designing teams through the things I've done at Saturday morning. And we're only five individuals and we've had the output of like a small agency of like, you know, 25 to 50 people. Is there anything that you would say to give somebody the courage to start their own thing in a similar vein? It really is in embracing uncertainty and leaning into the unknown and finding the ability to channel strength in that because we are going through some very interesting times. And I think the people who will continue to do well in spite of some of the recent events are ones who are, you know, not scrambling to try to create something, but genuinely putting things into the world based on uh, having a point of view and wanting to start a conversation. You know, as I've been sheltering in peace is what I call it. I've taken a lot of time to find a lot of gratitude in the journey I've been on. I recognize and acknowledge all of the things that are happening around us and, and my heart goes out to families and 
everything that's going on because it's really disruptive time. But it has also been a time to be able to reset and to be objective and to think about how you want to move forward. I've really started existing more in a space of not anchoring myself in failure, aka bad times or good times, aka success, but trying to be right in a place of just being in the moment and being present, moving forward and wanting to put good into the world and extending this optimism to people, which can be done through brands for sure. I think you just need to find a place that's truly authentic to do that from and not just trying to put something together that could miss the mark if your intentions are in the wrong place. Okay, I have one more for you. How would you define the idea of cultural intelligence? One of the things that I've really enjoyed about being in advertising is working globally and to get myself outside of what I know, creating sort of conversation and communication around our similarities and not our differences. Cultural intelligence could mean going into a completely different culture, let's say Asia, and having to leave a little bit of what you know behind so you can actually learn some new things about the way business works on a specific brand or with a specific group of people. And I recommend everyone try to really get outside of your comfort zone and work in an environment that is completely a 180 to how you've been working. Because one, it's a uh, default failure mechanism, (laughs) which, you know, puts you in a space of learning. Okay. I said it was the last one, but Something else came to mind when you said the idea of like a surefire way of setting yourself up to fail, you know, on purpose in a way to learn and knowing that that can be so valuable. Why do you think it is that it's so common for people to see the trajectory of a career as something that's a linear progression? We're kind of a highlight culture. We celebrate wins much more than we do identify failures and losses. You see where hardship and determination and failure actually are the key ingredients to a really potent career, personally and professionally. What I enjoy about looking at documentaries like The Last Dance and listening to people who I really admire and understand that there wasn't this kind of rocket ascension towards success. There's this really weird path. And so no one seeks out failure. But the idea is when you set yourself up to be in an environment that you're unfamiliar with, there's going to be a learning process. And within that, you will stumble and to anticipate it and to embrace it. Jayanta, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I really appreciated your thoughts on these topics. And thank you for opening up to us about your experiences and your point of view. It's really been a pleasure. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for giving me the time to share with you. Thank you for joining us for episode four of Creative Risk. Thanks again to Jayanta for taking the time to talk with us. You can check out his portfolio at jayanta.dunked.com. That's J-A-Y-A-N-T-A dot D-U-N-K-E-D dot com. Coming up on episode five, we speak with Sipang Ju, art director, designer, illustrator, and animator who wants to make every day a razzle-dazzle musical. We'll talk about how he got his start working at Sagmeister and Walsh straight out of college 
and going on to navigate different worlds of silence, from the perils of the client non-disclosure agreement to the stigmas of being a gay Chinese man. This episode of Creative Risk was written, produced, and edited by me, Gabriel Shalom. Recorded remotely under quarantine by your host and our guest. Engineering and original music by Alberto De Angeli. Additional audio engineering by Corey Choi of Silver Sound. Relations featuring Childish Gambino provided courtesy of Kenna. The open letter from Saturday morning was read and recorded by Keith Cartwright. Special thanks to Jessica Ozrek and Leah Lubman. If you liked what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe and share with your friends and coworkers. Check out show notes and links to some of the things we discussed with Gianta on our blog at blog.pictor.com. Have a question about something we talked about? Interested in cross-promotional partnerships with our podcast? Email me at gabriel at picture.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Is your team struggling with remote work? Start your free trial of Pictor this week to get hands-on with the creative review platform designed for content and marketing teams. Pictor is currently available at a 50% discount for teams, a 75% discount for individuals, and is completely free for academic institutions and nonprofits. To learn more about this special pricing, visit pictor.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, be safe, wash your hands, and remember to wear a mask in public.